Hello everyone, this is Simon with Midweek Devotions, a time for us to be in God's Word throughout this week and to be doing it together too. We've been looking at Messianic Psalms, Psalms about Jesus, and today we're looking at Psalm 22. It's a psalm that Jesus cries out as he dies on the cross. Uh, let's just pray uh, and then we'll read it together. Let's pray. Uh, Father God in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity and this time today to be looking into your word. Uh, help us to see Jesus uh, and to appreciate Jesus more and more, to understand him and the gospel more and more as we think through not just what he's done and uh, who he is, but also what you've said about him throughout scripture. Uh, help us today as we look at Psalm 22. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, psalm 22 is a, a psalm of lament and it's a little bit of a longer one so uh, if uh, if you're listening to this and you can have your bible out in front of you uh, that's probably best uh, but otherwise just do your best to listen along uh, and as i read the psalm uh, it might be a good idea just to think uh, how does this connect obviously to jesus and the jesus story psalm 22 my god my god why have you forsaken me why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By, by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me, they hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say, let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me, roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouth wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax, it has melted with, within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my mouth sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircles me, they pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display, people stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength, come quickly to help me, deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions and save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship, 
All who go down to the dust will kneel before him, those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him, future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. Uh, this is Psalm 22, and as a psalm, I don't know how you feel about it, but I always think that it feels really intense. Uh, the psalmist, David, writes of feeling like he's trying to get through his life, and God just isn't there. God just isn't helping him enough. And I think sometimes when we read psalms like this, uh, sometimes we feel a little bit uncomfortable. Like the psalmist is saying things that we're not allowed to say. He's thinking things that we're not allowed to think. We kind of get into this place where certain doubts seem to criticize God and they're, they're sort of big no-nos or big signs that we're bad people or something like that. But like I mentioned before, Psalm 22 is a psalm of lament and it's important that we understand lament. It's important that we see this as a permission that God and the Bible give us to cry out that we can and that we should freely express to him our frustration and pain and that he hears with uh, he hears those things with grace and mercy and love. We can cry out to God. And that's exactly what Jesus does, actually, when you consider Jesus and his use of this psalm. Jesus cries out the first line of Psalm 22. And actually, it's part of his crucifixion, uh, perhaps even a, a jarring moment in that story. Uh, because it's a moment that, as, as Jesus cries out, it's a moment that seems filled with a lot of negativity. Uh, throughout the Gospels, we sort of read of Jesus uh, doing the opposite. He's constantly praising God. He's constantly demonstrating his unity with the Father. Rarely does he ever express anything that sounds like discontent. And even in the few moments that he does, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, for example, it still comes with something else. It comes with a really clear and profound statement of oneness and purpose and agreement with the Father. But here, instead of all that, here Jesus simply says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a moment that sounds to us like he's searching, like he's questioning, asking. Why have you left? Why have you let me down? Why have you given up on me? Why have you abandoned me? Uh, sometimes uh, we wonder what it means for Jesus to cry out, Why have you forsaken me? And well, the source material, this psalm, that's where that line comes from, this psalm helps us to see what's going on. It helps us to see, again, how scripture has always consistently and, um, and um, helpfully point us, pointed us ahead to Jesus and what he would do. And so here's a few things to think, think of and consider as we read this psalm. The first thing I think we should see is that, yes, in this psalm, we do see a clear cry of frustration and pain. Uh, the psalmist is genuinely expressing his lament and he's freely going to God with how deeply he feels uh, the, the pains and the struggles and the frustrations that lead to it. Right? It's not a, a filtered or processed uh, psalm or moment. It's, it's not something that's been watered down. Uh, it's actually a really honest psalm that reflects the psalmist's feelings. It's so honest, actually, that even the, the there's, there's even this idea of melodrama, right? The melodrama of emotionality is expressed. I take verse 14, for example. The psalmist writes, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. I mean, if someone said that to me, if I, if I had a friend who came to me and, and expressed themselves like this, I would sort of just maybe say, okay, 
calm down, mate. <laughs> Just settle down and chill for a second. But the psalmist, he writes this psalm and he doesn't hold back. He doesn't hold back with God. That's a little sign that neither should we, right? It, it's, it's pretty silly uh, for us to hold back with God. Because God knows that we have these kinds of thoughts and feelings anyway, even if we filter them out and, and don't express them directly to him. But this idea of not holding back with God, it's important here because it tells us that Jesus is doing the same, that, that Jesus doesn't filter stuff out with God either, either. As he suffers and as he dies, Jesus cries out and it is a genuine and deep lament. It's a sign to us that he is really experiencing something on that cross. He is really experiencing the weight and the burden and the consequence that comes with taking on our sins for us. When the gospel says that he takes it all on himself, this cry of lament helps us to see that it's a real thing, that it wasn't just an idea, it's not just a theory, it wasn't just an abstract plan, it wasn't something just on paper. No, Jesus takes it all on himself for real. He is really and truly enduring and suffering everything that it means for us to be held accountable for our sins. He shouldn't have had to do it. It was our sin. It was because of us. And yet, he still takes up his cross and he endures it for real. That's the first thing that this, uh, this cry of lament helps us to see. The second thing that this psalm helps us to grasp uh, is that it helps us to grasp Jesus' experience a little bit better as well. It helps us to appreciate just what he's doing. The psalm paints for us a picture of what Jesus' life and ministry is actually like. And really it even prophesizes and foreshadows it because Jesus is its true fulfillment. Uh, take, take verses uh, 7 to 8 for example. It says, All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. They say, Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him uh, since he delights in him. I wonder if, uh, as you were listening to the psalm, uh, those lines stood out to you as, as reflecting Jesus. Right? It's very much like the crowds, as they yelled and as they watched him. It's very much like that robber crucified beside him, the one we often don't talk about, the one who doubted Jesus. Uh, or, or take verse 17 to 18. It's even clearer. It says, All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lost lots for my garment. And that's exactly what happened to Jesus and his clothes. Uh, it's even uh, referenced uh, in the gospel narrative. David the psalmist here, he writes his lament. But in God's will, David's words are also God's word. They're speaking of bigger and better things that are revealed in Jesus. And it helps us really to understand just how alone he was as he took up uh, our sins. The third thing that I think this psalm does is that it helps us to recognize the victory. It helps us to see the purpose of Jesus' suffering and death on that cross as well. It helps us to see why uh, he was uh, willing to take on uh, all that, that take on that big and lonesome task. See, the psalm absolutely does express in quite a raw form the struggles and pains, even the darkness that Jesus experiences. But it is still at the same time an expression of faith. 
and an expression of relationship with God. It is a cry to him, after all. A plea for something, for strength, for deliverance, for rescue. One that's done knowing that God is the one who, who loves to give it. And so there is great faith here. There's an assertion, a conviction, a commitment from the psalmist even to believe in the outcome of trusting God. That he will give strength and deliver and rescue. That he will go even further, in fact. We see that in the last part of the psalm, psalm, particularly verses 25 to 31, as it speaks of a coming paradise, of eating and being satisfied even though we are poor, of hearts that live forever. And of a time when all the ends of the earth, as it says in verse 27, will remember and turn to the Lord, whether the nations will come together and bow down before him. That's the fulfillment of God's promises to Abraham, isn't it? Uh, On top of other things, to be a blessing to all the nations. It looks ahead to Jesus because the gospel of grace can bring any and all in. Everyone can come and indeed it's pointing ahead to the cross because Jesus' death and resurrection mean that new life in the new creation has been won and revealed to us in him. I think that's the brilliant thing here, the brilliant thing here of reading the Old Testament and these Psalms with an eye for Jesus. Because when we do, we realize that Jesus isn't just crying out about his anguish. He's not just crying out and quoting that first line. No, when he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is referencing the whole psalm. Jesus is accomplishing the victory of the psalm as much as he he is expressing its, its frustration and lament. He quotes the psalm on the cross not just because he hurts, but because the psalm already revealed what he was ultimately doing. As he, as, he, as he is held there up on that cross, he has taken up the psalm and he has accomplished the psalm in full. And so today as we consider this psalm, as we consider how it speaks of and points to and is fulfilled in Jesus, let's give thanks for how incredible the gospel really is. That it was God's plan wrapped up in his promises from long before Jesus even entered in. Remember that he was forsaken in our place, that he took on himself the burden of sin in in full, and, and that means that we don't have to be forsaken ourselves. It means actually that as we go about our lives, if we are trusting in him and drawing our strength from him, we can know that he will not forsake us. He has already gone so far as the cross for us. There is nothing left that might be worse. And of course, remember the great glory of the gospel, that he does not remain there. He is victorious over it, and he wins deliverance and rescue and the blessing of nations, and all so that we might possess them as well. Um, Not long after he quotes this psalm, not long after Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says something else. Jesus says, it is finished. He has done it. And that's just as this psalm proclaims at its end as well. As we look ahead in hope, as we see Christ's victory, what do we read? He has done it. 
Let's pray and give thanks to God. Our Father in heaven, we do. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Uh, we worship you because you are good and you are gracious and full of mercy. And that you have saved and delivered and rescued us. And that you have done all of these things in Jesus. Lord, we give you praise that that was the plan and the promise. The way that you had set long, long ago. And that as Jesus enters into the world and takes up his cross. That as he dies, uh, dies for our sins and is raised to life. He, he really is fulfilling completing, finishing, perfecting everything that you had in store for this creation and this place. We give you thanks and praise that we, we are beneficiaries of that, that you offer us new life and offer us a new hope as well. Would you help us today to put our trust in Jesus uh, and really just to see uh, that uh, no matter what it is that we are facing, no matter what it is that we are going through, we can put we 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 can go all in on Him. We can lean on Him and rest in Him. We can look ahead, knowing that what we have is safe and secure, uh, even when we struggle and wrestle and doubt. Now, thank you that we can cry out in lament and frustration to you. Thank you that you hear those cries with grace and mercy and love. Thank you that we can know that you will never forsake us, never abandon us, that you are always with us. And that we aren't just trusting or believing in that, we are experiencing that as well. It's demonstrated to us in all that Jesus does and in our lives as we continue on persevering. Lord, help us to keep going today, uh, even in this present time that is full of challenges and frustrations and disappointments in uh, the experience of our lives and the experience of our faith sometimes too. We ask these things and we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in today. Uh, we'll be back uh, Wednesday next week. Take care and we'll see you then. Bye.